Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 153, Argument for the Existence of God, Episode 6, is entitled The Principle of Opposition. To understand existence, we must understand the principle of opposition. Stated as a law, it would read, There must be opposition in all things, temporal or spiritual, mortal or immortal. One of the first principles of opposition that Christians must understand is the existence of good versus evil. Without a choice between good and evil, we could not have agency. To understand the existence of good, we must understand the nature of God. To understand the existence of evil, we must understand the nature of Satan. To understand either, we must understand the nature of law, for without law, there would be neither good nor evil. The only reason Lucifer and his angels are sons of perdition, meaning for them there can be no redemption because they willfully rebelled against God while living in his presence, is that they knew they were in open rebellion against God. Isaiah explains it this way, as recorded in Isaiah chapter 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? A third part of the hosts of heaven joined Lucifer, as recorded in Revelation 12. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. The first mystery is, What does it mean that a third part of the host of heaven joined Lucifer? We can only surmise what the scriptures tell us. The hosts of heaven, which refer to all the spirit children of God, were divided into three parts. It doesn't say they were divided into three equal parts. It merely says three parts or three classes. The Bible clearly defines two of the parts. The above defines one part as those who followed Lucifer. The rebellion of Lucifer, which means light bearer, is what caused the war in heaven. He stood in the presence of God, yet he defied the power of God. It was a battle he could not win. 
The scripture below, also in Revelation 12, defines the second part as those who fought against Lucifer with Michael, the archangel. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We can only assume that the third part did not take sides in the war in heaven. They followed neither Lucifer nor Michael. They were not evil, that is to say they did not fight against Christ, but they were not valiant in fighting for Christ either. Only those who followed Lucifer, however, were cast out of heaven. One of the curses Satan and his angels received was that they were denied a physical body. They are still and always will be only spirits. There is no veil over their eyes. They were cast down to earth with full recollection of their rebellion in heaven, their hatred for Christ, and their hatred for those spirits who fought with Michael against them. We can only assume that all the other spirits who remained came to earth to gain a body. Lucifer, who became Satan, and his angels are continuing that same war against God and man on earth. We cannot see Satan and his angels, for they are spirits, made of spirit matter too refined for our eyes. They are nonetheless real. Once we were spirits like them, but when we came to earth by choice, we were given a physical body. They would like a physical body. They would like ours. Remember when Christ cast out the evil spirits, they chose to be in the body of swine rather than not possess a body at all? It is a curse not to have a physical body. Those who did not rebel, which included those who fought with Michael, as well as those who did not take part in the battle, were given the chance to come to earth to gain a physical body. Everyone who comes to earth to gain a body is given agency to choose God or Satan, good or evil, moral or immoral, right or wrong, active or passive, valiant or non-valiant. Also, like the third part in heaven who did not take sides, on earth they can also choose to be neutral. That includes all of the posterity of Adam and Eve. We are that posterity. As Christians, we often speak of a veil being drawn over our minds at birth, causing us to forget the premortal life. The English philosopher John Locke postulated that at birth our mind is a tabula rosa, or blank slate, which, using the five senses, we fill it through experience. Clearly, we have a veil drawn over our minds. I do not accept, however, that our mind is a blank slate. Everyone who comes to earth already has a distinct personality, which every parent recognizes. Where did that personality come from? I believe we brought it with us. William Wordsworth said it best in his poem, Ode Intimations of Immortality. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness, and not in utter nakedness, but trading clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. I further believe that at some point after this life, perhaps after the resurrection, that veil will be lifted, and we will see ourselves as God sees us, creatures of eternity. The principle of opposition, though it did not begin on earth as the war in heaven demonstrates, 
is still very pronounced on earth as illustrated by the fact that we have both a temporal body and a spiritual body. Otherwise, we would have no life. All life, whether temporal or spiritual, relies upon the principle of opposition, as science can show. In the physical body was placed our immortal spirit, which is why we have life. It is the only reason we have life, intelligence, and consciousness. A veil was drawn over our minds when we were born on earth, causing us to forget our premortal existence. However, we did not come here as blank slate. Our premortal personalities came with us. That is why, regardless of genetic similarities, no two babies are alike. Each child born on this earth comes with a personality. Life does not begin on earth. Physical or mortal life, yes, but not spiritual or immortal life. Let us present the full stanza from William Wordsworth's poem, Ode, Intimations of Immortality. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness, and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy, but he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in his joy. The youth, who daily further from the east must travel, still is nature's priest, and by the vision splendid is on his way attended. At length the man perceives it die away, and fade into the light of common day. The physical body is a highly refined biological machine created by God to house our immortal spirit. However, our personalities, our thoughts, that which we are is not because of our physical body. Without the spirit, the body is a dead thing. All intelligence, all consciousness, all thought, all reasoning, all that we really are is housed in the spirit. It is there, in our immortal spirit, where our intelligence lies, not in the brain and not in the physical body. The physical body goes back to the dust of the earth. At death, our immortal spirit lives on. We will be anxious for the resurrection. It will be a burden not to have our bodies. Though the veil was not drawn over the minds of the evil spirits because they have no body, a veil was drawn over our minds at birth, causing us to forget everything related to our premortal existence. As Wordsworth described it, our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere it set in, and cometh from afar. Because of the veil drawn over our minds at birth, faith is the only way we can find God. He cannot be found in a telescope or in a science lab. It was by design because faith gives us agency. Who could sin standing in the presence of God? Uncertainty is the environment necessary for faith to grow. From faith springs hope of eternal life. Faith precedes hope and hope precedes joy. On the one hand, only on earth can we obtain the degree of faith necessary to become like God. On the other hand, only on earth can we doubt God's existence. As the scriptures say, the devils believe and tremble. That is why faith in God is one of the most important things we can learn on earth, and why faith is one of the most powerful forces on earth. Faith brings down the powers of heaven and causes miracles. 
No miracle ever occurred without faith. Just as the effect cannot come before the cause, the miracle cannot come before faith. Even Christ did not perform miracles where the people had no faith. Those who seek God through faith will find him. Those who seek God through science won't. They will discover law, but not the lawgiver. They will discover how God works, but they will not discover God. They will understand the creation, but not the creator. Science is a powerful contributor to the betterment of life on earth, but the strength of science is only in dealing with temporal law. That is why science can never find God. The temporal cannot see the spiritual. They have no instruments to measure faith. Only through our spirit within us can we detect the presence of God. We are immortal souls living in a mortal world on a mortal planet subject to entropy and death. To detect the spiritual world requires refined senses. Only through the spirit can we divine spiritual things. That leads to a third principle of opposition, the natural man versus the spiritual man. The natural man fights against God and persuades us towards the lust of the flesh. As recorded in 1 Peter 2, the Apostle Peter warns us, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lusts that war against the soul. The spiritual man longs to live again with God. This creates a tremendous tug of war in our souls. Desires of the flesh come through the mortal body. Desires of the spirit come to the heart through the Holy Ghost. Those who give themselves entirely over to the flesh become an enemy to God. The path to immortality and eternal life is through the longings of the Spirit. It is the Spirit that gives us agency, freedom, free will, and liberty. It is capitulating to the desires of the flesh that brings us down into captivity. God did not leave us unprepared. Just as there are temporal laws that govern the physical body, there are spiritual laws that govern the spiritual body. Only through obedience to law can we find truth. By obeying temporal laws, we discover temporal truth. By obeying spiritual laws, we discover spiritual truth. Everything in God's kingdoms is governed by a complete set of laws. Laws perfect, protect, preserve, and sanctify us. That is why we are judged by our works. Our works represent our obedience or disobedience to spiritual law. Both the temporal world and the spiritual world are subject to the principle of causality. In other words, where there is a cause, there will always be an effect. Where there is an effect, there will always be a cause. Faith is not an abstraction. We can test the laws of God by obeying them just as we can test the laws of science by obeying them. Philosophers through the ages have asked, what is truth? The answer is that truth is knowledge of temporal laws and spiritual laws, which provide knowledge of things as they really are, and things as they really will be, things of the past, things of the present, and things of the future. Truth is absolute. Truth can be discovered but not created. Law already exists. Everything is governed by a complete set of laws. One set of laws is governed by another set of laws until it reaches God himself, where everything operates under a single whole through the power of Christ. Another great attribute of God is that he is a God of law and order. 
He organized all laws to bring about the eternal progression of men and women. All progression, whether temporal or spiritual, is dependent upon obedience to those laws. The reason we are equal in the eyes of God is because we all may choose for ourselves whom we will serve and what laws we will obey or disobey. Only through obedience to laws do we receive blessings from heaven. It is our choice. Sin alone creates inequality, not God. God is no respecter of persons. Each kingdom of heaven described by Paul is governed by a complete set of laws. And if we inherit any of those kingdoms, it is because we obeyed the laws upon which they were governed. The third heaven, or the celestial kingdom spoken of by Paul, is where God and Christ live. The laws taught by Christ while he was on the earth govern that kingdom. We are told in 1 John 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. In this podcast, we discuss three primary principles of opposition. The existence of good versus evil, the temporal body versus the spiritual body, the natural man versus the spiritual man. Please join us next week as we continue discussing the other important principles of opposition. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.